Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast and boy oh boy oh boy do we have an episode and a discussion topic for you guys to get involved with and hopefully enjoy as well. The F1 summer break is full steam ahead and I tell you what guys I it doesn't feel like a summer break because we've just had the Hungarian Grand Prix we're less than a week into the summer break and Within days of the summer break, probably is less than 24 hours after the Hungarian Grand Prix, the drama alert of all drama alerts. I suppose something worthy of perhaps Keemstar, if there was an F1 equivalent of that. We're going to try and bring that into this episode. But F1 silly season, not that any of us expected it to, has massively taken off. And one domino has fallen here with Sebastian Vettel's retirement, and it has opened up Pandora's box of crazy F1 drama transfer stories, which we're going to get into this episode, a bit of a silly season special. So bear with us on this one. It's certainly going to be a bit of a roller coaster how this ends up uh, when all of this is said and done after the summer break is over. But until then, let's introduce the panel. We've got Courtney Pine joining me once again. We've got Lee Wallington. The DNF1 crew is in full attendance this afternoon. How are you guys doing? You both okay? Yeah, doing great. I would be absolutely foolish to uh, miss this one. And I have to say, anyone that calls F1 boring, they have no idea what goes on, not only on track, but off it. And I think the past week is an absolute show of what F1 has to offer. Pure drama, and I can't wait to get stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure how this is going to end either in terms, not just the episode, just um, in general, how this is all going to unfold. But Lee, what are your thoughts so far? Um, obviously not been able to enjoy a proper summer break in F1, not that it's something we have to worry about career-wise, but I certainly sympathise for the many journalists that were looking forward to hopping on the plane only to check their tablets or their phones to find out that it's all kicking off in the driver transfer market. Oh, I mean, as you said, it's silly season for a reason. 
I didn't mean that to rhyme. It just uh, <laughs> that works. <laughs> Very catchy, Luke. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's it always kicks off around summer. Apart from obviously through um, COVID, where it kicked off before the season even started. But we're back to normal. Silly season is a summer break. We're, we're underway, and it's getting juicy. Is the only way I would describe it. Yeah, absolutely, and of course. Obviously, I want to say a big welcome to those of you that have just joined us for the first time on the DNF1 YouTube channel. Of course, if you're listening to us for the first time on your favourite podcasting platform, welcome along to the DNF1 family. So many of you have been joining us this season and quite a lot of you have been joining in on all the fun as late. So just a big welcome to you guys and thanks for stopping by and letting us uh, talk F1 what during your daily commute or etc, etc. So however you choose to listen to us. But of course, if you are new... Just a quick reminder to you guys, and for those of you familiar with us will know exactly where I'm going with this, but we are the independent F1 podcast made by the fans and for the fans as we do race reviews, previews, and all of the latest news, talking points, and gossip in the world of Formula One, and plenty of that we will have for you for your listening and viewing pleasure. Now, guys, obviously F1 silly season. For those of you that are new to Formula One and don't understand what silly season is, basically it's the, the summer period where a lot of people... All the clowns come out. Exactly. All the clowns come out. Every single one of them, including us as well. But (laughs) silly season in a nutshell, guys, is the summer period in F1 where, of course, there aren't really any races going on. And this is kind of the period where driver transfers start to gain a little bit more traction. Those that might be in the works, drivers talking to certain teams, teams talking to certain drivers, not necessarily in F1 exclusively. There could be some other series where they may be looking into... But ultimately, it's trying to nail down those drivers for next season's grid. And we do have quite a few seats available at the time. You know, we have some seats that obviously we had a seat at Aston Martin. We had a seat. We have seats at Alpha Tauri and Alfa Romeo. We have a seat at Alpine. We have some seats at Wellers Williams and even Haas. Maybe at McLaren as well. We'll have to wait and see. So plenty of opportunity and plenty of news stories doing the round. And the first of which was instigated by Sebastian Vettel's retirement from the sport. One that which he announced last week on top of the fact telling us how much he loved the smell of bread and eating chocolate. Of course, all great things. I'm certainly not going to argue with Seb on that one. But of course, we expected someone to jump in and potentially uh, replace him. We wasn't quite sure who that was. But out of nowhere, on Monday morning, the 1st of August, we got the huge bombshell that Fernando Alonso, the two-time Formula One world champion, El Nino himself, has confirmed that he will be joining the Aston Martin team from 2023. And this was a huge bombshell. This was a driver that currently was in discussion with his team Alpine, where he's driving at the moment to stay on for at least another year with an option of a second one, assuming that performance clauses were met in that regard. Alpine were under a very strong impression that Fernando, based on what he was telling them and how negotiations were going, that he was definitely going to put pen to paper and stay with the team. Out of nowhere, he tells Otmar Zafner on Sunday night that he is leaving the team at the end of the season and going to Aston Martin. Then we get the news on social media Everybody absolutely loses their minds. Cannot believe what we've seen. What a coup for Aston Martin to bring a driver of that level of box office caliber and driving prestige as well that comes with it. So guys, first things first. I mean, how surprised were we at this announcement from Aston Martin? And what a signing for them to bring in Fernando Alonso to replace Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I mean... 
Aston Martin need to stop, first of all, they need to stop making announcements just after we upload episodes because you have the Sebastian Vettel <laughs> news getting announced off when we've um, released our race preview. And then the Alonso news comes out literally, what, minutes after we uploaded our, our review? So I was like, come on, Aston Martin. I think probably have it in for us. But yeah, it's it, it was absolutely, it's, it's absolute craziness. Look, from an Aston Martin point of view, it's a it's a great signing for them, you know. They with losing someone like Sebastian Vettel, if they have any ambitions to truly be at the front, they had to make a marquee signing and signing somebody of Alonso's caliber is certainly that. But from an Alpine perspective, I, to be honest, I, I think it's embarrassing. There are people within that team that didn't even know that Alonso was leaving until they saw the press release on social media. Well, that, that is how yeah. It, yeah. That's it. It's, it's it's embarrassing for a team like Alpine that have been, you know, talking a lot about taking advantage of these new regulations and again also aiming to be a race winning team again and to be sort of dropped almost. It's it's like they've been jilted at the altar. It's, it's the F one equivalent of that, and it really really isn't embarrassing for Alpine. And we know other stuff has gone on since then, and I, I think it's a PR disaster for Alpine. Everything mm. that's gone on, it makes Alpine look like a team that isn't desirable for drivers. It makes it look like a team that isn't heading in the right direction. So Alpine need to be replacing Alonso fast and with somebody that's going to actually make them look like a team that's going forwards rather than backwards. Yeah, there's a lot to be said in the Alpine camp, but I want to stick with Aston Martin for a little while on this one. Lee, what are your thoughts on this? Is Fernando Alonso the absolute perfect signing for Aston Martin right now? Considering that they've obviously they're losing Sebastian Vettel at the end of the season. I think we can all agree Lance Stroll, a solid Grand Prix driver. Um, I think by the end of the season, he's going to be in the top 60 most experienced F1 drivers on the grid, which is an achievement in itself. But by no means is he a guy that should be leading a team in Formula One, especially a team that really needs someone to drive them forward and turn them into what they hope to be with this medium-term project. So how how great a signing is this for Aston Martin to bring someone with the experience, the performance, um, the prestige, and the desire to win that Fernando Alonso has? I mean, my opinions on it are pretty mixed. I can understand from Lawrence Stroll's um, perspective, this is a great signing having someone of uh, Fernando's calibre come into the team, proven winning status, always gets the, the performance out of the car, um, will always bring back the points as long as the car finishes and um, doesn't fail on him. So it's a solid signing. But at the same time, I wonder if Aston Martin know what they're getting themselves into. It is Fernando Alonso, who has maybe not true anymore, but still has a reputation of being a troublemaker in the teams, being very demanding because he knows what he wants. He knows how the car wants. He wants the team to deliver uh, to meet his expectations. And as we've seen through his time, at Mc- his last in at McLaren, McLaren failed to those expectations. Uh, the engine supplier failed. All right. In that sense, Fernandez finally got his Mercedes engine. So <laughs> he can't complain on that yeah. um, side of things. But the, the whole input that Aston Martin might find from Fernando, may, they may find it overwhelming because at the end of the day, they, they are a midfield team with the the aim of being a, a championship contender. And I, I may, I've got a feeling Fernando's expectations may be too much for them because 
they haven't dealt with a championship contender. And Sebastian is very different personality to Fernando. Yes, exactly. Um, so they're going to be in for a big surprise, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a fair point. But I suppose, in a way, you could argue perhaps this is kind of what they need. I mean, let's not forget, Fernando is going to be joining or, or reuniting with some similar personnel, the likes of Martin Whitmarsh, who obviously had a good relationship with Fernando at McLaren. So obviously there will be some familiar faces there. It's obviously... Um, for Fernando, obviously, I, I know, you know, people talk about Aston Martin, what they had with Sebastian Vettel. People were kind of hoping that that might reinvigorate Sebastian Vettel. We never really did. You know, he was he was OK, but it was one of those where it just it could have gone one or two ways. It could have either they could have either produced a great car and that would allow Seb to move up the field and perhaps try and refine that fire and, and compete for results again. Big results. I mean, he got a few podiums and he drove brilliantly at times in that car, but ultimately it was never really the same as having someone with that burning passion that Fernando Alonso will install Seb- into them. Sebastian did get his hair back, though, so that was an improvement over for Oh, I, th- I think the F1 <laughs> community would be delighted with that one. I mean, it's certain. And, and sometimes that's what happens when you don't drive in a stressful environment. Ferrari really ruined Seb in that regard, and he managed mm. to sort of restore that a little bit before he decided to... Uh, decide to sail off into the sunset which of course he'll be doing at the end of the season sadly and uh everyone will certainly miss him but of course we should talk about what this is going to mean for Fernando Alonso and I know a lot of people have been casting their opinions on this one and I feel like I have a, a certain opinion on this that might polarize some views on this so I want to let you guys go first on this one I'm going to ask a simple mm-hmm. question it's a great signing for Aston Martin I think probably the best available driver that they probably could have got going forward perhaps or one of is this the right move for Fernando Alonso to leave Alpine who are currently fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth, the fourth fastest car on the grid in a new set of regulations to a team that is currently second last. I have two big concerns about this move. First of all, throughout Fernando Alonso's career, I feel that he's been his own worst enemy and that's mainly because of his lack of patience in the projects that he's been a part of. We saw it go famously wrong the moment he felt that Lewis Hamilton was getting the benefit of McLaren. He had a lack of patience in the Ferrari project. The year after he left, they started winning races again. He was very vocal in the uh, the lack of performance in the Honda engine whilst he's at McLaren. Honda have gone on since to produce a world championship winning car. And yeah, it's great that Fernando Alonso has two world championships and we know how good he is, but I do feel that his conduct and the way that he's behaved like during his spells at these respective teams, he could have won a lot more world championships. He's up there ability-wise with the likes of Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton. On paper, he should have at least four world championships. But because of the, the lack of patience and how vocal he is, he has he's missed out. In that regard. And, you know, and again, when it comes to his conduct, if you think about how he behaved at McLaren with Lewis Hamilton, if he gets the slightest impression that there's nepotism going on with Lawrence and Lance Stroll, he's going to kick off. So based on that, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he was matured since 2017. You'd like to think he has. But if he feels that there's nepotism going on, he's going to go public with it. And it's just going to be, if he isn't reined in properly, and Aston Martin had performance issues. He could turn that team into a circus. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. And I understand that concern. And I'm sure that's something that Fernando would have been concerned about when Aston Martin were talking to him. Now, 
Apparently, according to Alpine, Aston Martin were only talking to Alonso for a little while. I don't believe that. I think Alonso no. had been talking to him for some time as a provision in case Sebastian Vettel decided to pull the trigger on his career. Now, I'm not suggesting that Aston Martin were um, trying to force Seb away. I don't think that was... I think it was purely Seb's decision. But you sometimes you have to have a contingency plan. And I think Aston Martin were preparing for that. And Alonso was the guy. He certainly reeks of a Lawrence Stroll signing. And... Whilst, you know, that, that's all fine and well, I, I wouldn't disagree with the decision, at, at, you know, the way that it looks right now. But I'm not quite sure that Alonso should have to worry too much about what you would call, Courtney, the nepotism issue. And that, I think that's a fair point. But if we compare that to the Lewis Hamilton situation in 07 at McLaren, Lewis was a very special case. I mean, he shouldn't have yeah. even been driving that car in 07. Pedro De La Rosa was lined up. It was yeah. only because Hamilton impressed so much in the preseason test that De La Rosa literally gave the seat to Lewis because he knew that he couldn't hold him back. And and obviously the way the championship went, the way Sir Lewis was driving, it was incredible. So you can understand the frictions between the two there. And obviously Alonso had promises that were obviously not kept and that's what enraged him and kind of soured that relationship at McLaren until, of course, he went back and then it soured again after that, you know, <laughs> who knew? But I don't see the same thing happening at Aston Martin. With all due respect to Stroll, He's not a 2007 Sir Lewis Hamilton. He's let alone a 2021 or 2022 Sir Lewis Hamilton. You know, as good as Stroll is, Lewis was a special case. Um, yeah. So I think he may have assurances that even though they may not establish a one-two pecking order that team, I think Fernando knows he's going to be the priority or the driving force for that team going forward. And it's what they need more than anything else. Lee, what are your thoughts on this one? Do you think this is the right move for Fernando Alonso? I got to admit, on the one hand, I, I, I agree with Courtney's uh, view, but I do think it's a strong move for Fernando. Um, there are three teams, you could say, are arguing that want to be championship contenders, Alpine, McLaren and Aston Martin. Obviously, there's no seats available, no seats available at McLaren. And does he want to go back to McLaren? I don't think he'd be welcome, mate. Yeah, that's another <laughs> thing as well. Um, Not even to the Christmas party or the summer barbecue no, or anything like no, that. No, he, yeah. he's, he's in the McLaren WhatsApp groups. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that what teams off the table. So it was only Aston Martin. And you think Alpine was like, they had their five-year plan. We're going to come in 22, 2022. We're going to be fighting for the championship. That hasn't happened. They're now talking about delaying it for another year or two while they get the resources together to get up to the fight for the championship in a couple of years. And El Plan has been delayed and delayed. And Fernando, as Courtney touched on, isn't very patient in waiting no. two or three years. Also, Fernando knows that although he would love to be racing in 10 years' time, he's on a ticking clock on how long You're he right. can remain competitive. So he has to be bold and make a move. And... Aston Martin have proven themselves since uh, Lawrence bought the team. They're willing to push the rules, innovate to a degree, if you call copying, innovating. But their last rear wing, that was called the attention of the FIA and some of the team. Oh, we hadn't thought of that. So they're, they're, they are pushing themselves. And Fernando can see that. He's obviously had conversations behind the scenes and probably can see what's coming along in the pipe work in next year. Um, so he's definitely thinks that there's more potential to fight for this championship and race wins in the future Aston Martin than Alpine and so I think it's a very strong move for him on that aspect Do you know what Lee I have to say the only the only thing that could like make me think this move could be good for Alonso is say we have a repeat of the Lewis Hamilton 
move from McLaren to Mercedes. When that was announced, I was one of the many people that saying, Lewis, what are you doing? Like, these are just a midfield team at best. I can't see the direction that they're going in. But Ross Braun and the Mercedes team at the time let him know what was in a pipeline for 2014. And that's what persuaded him to make that move. So maybe, maybe Fernando knows something about the Aston Martin project that we don't. Again, I think you mentioned Martin Whitmarsh. He'd have played a part. He's been Martin Whitmarsh has been after Fernando Alonso since his time at McLaren. So maybe the the team they're building around Martin Whitmarsh. Maybe again, maybe they know things that we don't. But I, I'm dubious about the decision. But it's it's definitely a good signing for Aston Martin in terms of what Fernando offered on track. But we'll see how his con his conduct. You know, let's see how his contact gets on during his time at Aston Martin. And this is the thing. And I agree with you, Lee, on this one. I really think it's I think it's actually a good decision. It may not turn out to, you know, result in anything good for Fernando. I think there's a realistically speaking, is Fernando Alonso gonna win a world championship at Aston Martin? Chances are probably not. Mm. But I think we can all agree he wasn't gonna win one at Alpine. And I think this is kind of what's led to his decision to go there. And, and and it says more about Alpine, I think, than where they're potentially going in the next few years than it does for Aston Martin. Because if Fernando Alonso is prepared to leave arguably the best midfield team right now in terms of performance and everything else with a new rule change, which, of course, he'd have invested a lot of time and energy into to sticking around up in his game so that he can maximise only to not just fall short, but you see what Red Bull are doing, what Ferrari are doing, what Mercedes are now doing, they're catching up. Even McLaren are catching them as well. They're not going forward. And that's the concern there. There's also the issues with the management problem. Obviously, Lauren Rossi, uh, the head there. There's been a bit of a merry-go-round with people coming in and coming out. Otmar Zafner coming into the team. Obviously, that was a very opportunistic move and I thought it was a good one. But yeah. replacing the likes of Davide Brigio, who was in there for a little while and then obviously moved on again. Um, Alain Prost obviously left his role and he wasn't. He cited that he wasn't happy with the direction Lauren Rossi wanted to go with the team. There was obviously some friction there. It's all a bit of a disaster at senior management. You do not want to be worrying about that. You do not want to be in that environment if you're in your golden years in your career and you're looking to try and find the best option in the medium term to try and do something or achieve something. And I think that's what Fernando's decision has led to. I think he's seen what's gone on at Alpine. He knows what's gone on there for a few years. This has been a project brewing since 2015, since Renault came back to the sport. Yeah. And at no point have they ever looked anywhere close to trying to emulate what they achieved when Fernando was driving for the team back in 05 and 06. So for me, I, I just I think it's an absolutely sensible move i'm not gonna say a brilliant or a genius move because fernando is taking a risk here and historically speaking fernando when he takes a risk on a driver move it's always come up short he's almost like emphatically left teams at the wrong time you know he's so infamous for doing that you know they go on to achieve something as soon as they leave there's a pattern there even though it's not his fault sometimes you know that those things can happen in the same way as you mentioned courtney that sir lewis hamilton on the opposite spectrum joins a team at the absolute perfect time in his career, you know, and how things could have been different. But I think this is a move. And I think he said it himself. You know, he looked at other teams. I don't know how many teams were actually talking to Fernando. Probably not many, but, you know, it's Fernando. He has been prone to exaggerate a little bit. Um, but he's a two-time world champion. What do I know? Um, he's obviously sung the praises of the Aston Martin team. He's obviously seen a lot going on there. And I think one thing that we can't deny of Aston Martin is their level of ambition. 
and yeah. what they hope to achieve and the fact that they are prepared to do perhaps more than anybody else at this point in time to realise that. And I don't think that can be undersold. And I think it's a re- big reason why Fernando, of course, there's going to be money involved. Lawrence Stroll has got the has got the uh, the checkbook out, and he's paying him a Fernando the big buck. Something that Alpine reportedly haven't done. They've offered him a long term deal. They've offered him a two year deal plus an option of a third with no performance caveats included in that. Alpine have got a one year deal on the table for him with less money than Ocon from what we'd heard, which obviously is a big no no for Fernando at the moment because I'm sure he feels like he's worth more than Ocon is at least under their current contracts. So I think this is a sensible move for Fernando. I think. It's worth the risk. And at his point in his career, perhaps this is the last contract that he will sign in Formula 1, I think it's worth a shot, considering that there's nowhere else. Let's be real. If a Sia, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes become available, he's taking it, or at least he's going to try for mm-hmm. it. But none of those are going to be... That's not the case at the moment. So I think this is a sensible move. Guys, let us know your thoughts in the comments about Fernando Alonso's move to Aston Martin. Are you excited about it? Are you surprised? How do you think he's going to get on? Is this the right move for Aston Martin? We'll have to wait and see. And of course, let us know what you think about Alpine in that regard. So let's move on to where this leads us next. Because because of Alonso's move to uh, Aston Martin, remember that, Aston Martin, there was a bit of a, well, how can I put this? The expectation was there that Oscar Piastri, the current reserve driver at Alpine, a driver that we all, well, me specifically, wanted to see him on the grid for 2023 it seemed for a while that he was going to be going to williams because under their current agreement with alpine piastri was going to be get was going to get a seat in f1 and alpine were going to make an arrangement by that by a specific date which we believe to be the 31st of july now remember that because that's going to be significant with this discussion later on as it stood that wasn't announced around the british grand prix we're expecting that to happen it didn't happen so we thought okay Perhaps this will take a little bit of time to iron out, sort out a few things. Fernando Alonso leaving to go to Aston Martin has all of a sudden created the expectation that Oscar Piastri would be promoted to the Alpine team. However, there were some rumours that Oscar Piastri was talking to some other teams, one of which was McLaren. Alpine, on the, what was it, the Tuesday at 5.11pm, Tuesday evening, on the 2nd of August, announced on their social media that Oscar Piastri would be promoted to the second driver's seat um, alongside Esteban Ocon for 2023. Now, there were a few things that were quite strange about this announcement on social media, and I looked into the article online, and I'm not going to lie, I I remember talking to you guys in the group chat, and it seemed all a bit weird. I thought... Mm -hmm. Something doesn't quite seem right about this. And the reason why I thought that is because, first of all, this was at 11 minutes past five UK time where we're based. Oscar Piastri right now is in Australia, as far as we understand, or the time this was announced. So that would have been 11 minutes past two in the morning. So why would they announce it when their driver's going to be asleep and he's not going to be able to respond (laughs) to anything like that? Secondly, there wasn't a direct quote from the driver in the article to say, oh, he's excited about the challenge or excited about being promoted. Again, promoted a key word in there uh, to where I'm going with this. And he wasn't also tagged in the post. You, you know, when they have the social media handles on the post, yeah. they put them there. That wasn't included either. The fir- and not the last thing about this that was really strange, um, they also didn't use the word signed at any point in the article. They kept saying he'd been promoted. Now, this is because Alpine believe that under their current agreement, they don't need to say he signed with the team. They have the option where they can just promote him into that second seat and then obviously the contract and that would be done afterwards. That was the commitment. A couple of hours later, or less than two hours later, 
Oscar Piastri himself actually responded to this. And I'm going to read the quote because this is a huge bombshell. And this is where all the drama kicks off, guys. And I know you've waited for me to get on with it. So I'm going to do it now. He says, and I quote, I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. So guys, that quote alone from Oscar Piastri against his parent team that we all thought he was going to be driving for categorically states to them and the world that he is not driving for the next season. What are your thoughts on that one? That's crazy stuff. Again, it's just so embarrassing for Alpine. I'm going to use the description I used before, how Alpine are like, they're like a guy that just got jilted at the altar. And then they've gone to another girl that that fancied him before he broke, before he was jilted at the altar. He, He goes to her and says, no, actually, I'll just see us as friends now. So his <laughs> plan B has been messed up as well. And it's just in front of the old world. It's like, it's like on a reality TV show, this conversation has happened. It's so embarrassing for Alpine. Like, they've, they're going to have to, like, I don't know, win a race, come up with some kind of super upgrades or sign another top-class driver for them to say face here because right now they must be blushing massively. Oh, big time. I mean, they've put out a statement in response to everything that's been going on. And they said, and I quote again, uh, from an Alpine spokesperson who was talking to Scott Mitchell from the race. um, And they said to him that we believe that we are legally correct in our statement regarding Piastri, but we don't have anything further to say. Now, I think Alpine made this statement on their socials. Again, it was a strange time. This is why I suspected something was a little bit fishy about this. Ultimately, that was the case. Um, you know, a broken clock's right twice a day, I suppose. But that being said, um, it, w- it was very strange. And I think Alpine have kind of just played their hand here to try and state their intention that they are going to fight legally to make sure that, you know, not only have they lost Fernando Alonso, but potentially losing their future driver in Oscar Piastri right now. This is a guy that's been highly sought after. I mean, it's got similar hallmarks to... Uh, Michael Schumacher, that old legal battle with Jordan and Benetton after only one race. And Piastri hasn't even driven in Formula One yet and he's been fought over like this. So it's crazy stuff. But with that all being said, it's a very, very strange move by Oscar Piastri in this regard because right now he's made the statement categorically saying he's not driving for Alpine next year. And we had something similar to this with Jensen Button um, about 15 years ago with BAR and, and Williams. He, didn't want, he wanted to leave BAR to go to Williams, and obviously and Otmar Zafna was involved in that as well, believe it or not, at BAR. So, you know, some hallmarks there. And uh, Jensen, as it were, had to stay with BAR in that case. So it was a bit awkward there. It's a bit of a similar situation now. And what's going to be key is this agreement between Piastri and Alpine. What, at what date, what is the date in this agreement between them where Piastri is free to talk to other teams and sign an agreement with them? Where is the de- what date is it that Piastri is no longer bound by a promotion that Alpine have, have given him in this regard, and that he he doesn't you know he has to sign something with them um, formally for that to be binding in this case? And I think that's what's going to be key. That's why I keep saying July thirty first because First, yeah. Fernando Alonso told Alpine on the thirty first of July that uh, Sunday night that he was leaving, it was only until the 2nd 
or the or the first of July, of August, where a lot Aston Martin confirmed it, and then it was the second of August where Alpine said what they said about Piastri, and obviously that's if that's a, you know true about the dates, that's after that deadline, which makes things a little bit more interesting. Um, Lee, what are your thoughts on this one um, in terms of Oscar Piastri? Is this a very risky move in your opinion for him to take this stance with his parent team, bearing in mind that? He technically doesn't have an F1 seat at this point in time, although there is one on the table. I mean, I, I think it is a bit of a risky move um, because really when you leave a former employee, you don't always want to go and burn bridges, but Oscar's burned those bridges before <laughs> he's even started potentially working for Alpine. So even if Alpine win legal battle and they Oscar has to drive for them, there's going to be no relationship. It's not going to be fun for either of them because there's going to be resentment against Oscar and, and Oscar have resentment against the team. So, it, and no, that's not Oscar's fault. Obviously, that's the situation it is. But yeah, what a statement to um, of uh, intent from um, Oscar where he doesn't want to drive for Alpine. Maybe he's in the same opinion of uh, Fernando. He doesn't want to drive for Alpine either. Like, <laughs> I don't want to drive for this team for. Uh, Fernando didn't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Um, but yeah, he would only do that if he's got somewhere else that's going to be that's even it. more promising. And obviously, that's the bits that we'll obviously get to yeah. about those potentials, opportunities. Yeah, well, this is it. And Fernando Alonso obviously responded on his Instagram once Piastri made that statement with uh, walking through, was it Florida, with his thumbs up, sort of, I know, as was, if he knew what was going his, on. Um local town or where he's from oh is that so, where he was oh i do apologize yeah, yeah sorry i do apologize it looked, <laughs> I, I thought it was florida for some reason i don't know why but anyway uh but yeah, he's a very very strange one as well do you know what it's uh, there are a couple of things that spring to mind with this uh piastri situation could he have already sort of been frustrated with alpine that you know he'd won the f2 championship and maybe felt a lack of faith from Alpine, maybe he thought he deserved, you know, at the time, Ocon seat, maybe. And he probably thought, you know what, if you're not going to give me the chance, I'll start looking elsewhere. And I completely agree with what you said, Lee. I do think a move is almost finished to another team. So being that bold, to put a statement out like that suggests that another move is definitely on the cards. And from an Alpine perspective, we see it getting said a lot about, you know, in football when a certain player rejects your club before joining or a certain player wants to leave your club. You don't want to be having a driver driving for you who doesn't want to be there because in Formula One, we know, we talk about this a lot. The the mental side of Formula One is massive where temps or maybe 100th of a second can, make, can define your race weekend. You need to be 100% committed week in, week out in order to get those results. And Again, that's something else that Lee touched on. If the relationship or the desire, if it isn't there, then you're not going to get the best out of Oscar Piastri and that could affect his career moving forward. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where, you, as you said, Courtney and Lee, you, you both you both were out on this. You have to be certain you've got something lined up. And of course, we're going to get into that in a minute because it reminds me a little bit, not Formula One related, but you guys might remember this being football fans as well. And I'm quite sure football fans will appreciate this. The transfer saga involving Peter Rod and Wingy. Uh, the former oh. winger. <laughs> Anyone who followed football will remember this transfer story. Obviously, one of the transfer to Queens Park Rangers, I believe it was. He drove right. all the way down from his current club at the time. I think it was it West Brom or something. One, of, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, West Brom to QPR. Yeah, something like that. And he, he goes to uh, QPR, sits in the car park of the ground of the team that he wants to sign for. Um, because he felt that he could try and drive a transfer away whilst the two clubs were haggling over a fee and that. In the end, they couldn't agree a deal. So on the wing, he had to go all the way back to his parent club. It must have been so awkward and uncomfortable. And and this is the situation that Piastri finds himself in right now. He is sitting in the car park. He has made his bed in this. Mm -hmm. He's made that statement. And obviously, he's been advised by his management team. Part of that is Mark Webber, the former Formula One driver, um, rumours were going around that he was at the London E-Prix last weekend to talk with Zach Brown at McLaren. And this is where it gets spicy because McLaren are the team that have been rumoured to have been talking to Piastri about a potential seat for 2023. Now, I, I'm with you guys. If Piastri is that confident and his team are that confident that they've got something in principle that bypasses anything that Alpine are legally able to give him at this point in time in terms of the dates. And of course, that's an important thing. And I'm sure in the coming days and weeks, maybe even months, we may get a bit more on this to find out what's actually going on here. This is such a critical moment now. And ultimately what it means at McLaren is someone's got to go because the current situation at McLaren is Lando Norris has a long-term deal with the team anyway. So that's not even an issue. It's Daniel Ricciardo's seat. And... At the moment, as we understand, Daniel Ricciardo has a contract with the McLaren team to the end of the 2023 season. And the option for 2023 is Daniel's decision alone whether or not he wants to take that up. And of course, there are a few scenarios here. There's Daniel could take that option, stay with the team for next year, run his contract out and then go if McLaren don't want to keep him. Um, he could There could be a release clause where McLaren have to buy him out of that contract or he could just leave altogether. So it's a very, very interesting scenario here. One that I'm not sure, well, I, I am sure in this case, that if Piastri's going, it means Ricardo's going to be leaving yeah. as well. So this is a very strange thing all of a sudden. McLaren have kind of been dragged into this scenario of what's happened with uh, with Alpine and Aston Martin. And um, if everything goes as it may seem, or at least as Piastri's camp might be thinking, that means that Daniel Ricardo's leaving McLaren may leave Formula 1 altogether. So... How big of a shock would that be to you guys? And um, what do you think the chances are of that? Because we seem convinced that Ricardo was going to stay. Yeah, my gut is telling me right now that Piastri will go to McLaren. And I I, I can't see Daniel returning to Alpine so quickly after, you know, moving to McLaren, what, just a couple of seasons ago. It's, it's, it's not a good feeling. It might, you might feel like it's a step backwards. And at this stage in his, his career, where he probably hasn't been happy with how he's been driving, he might want to take a break or leave Formula One altogether, which would be devastating for the fan base to, you know, not only lose Sebastian Vettel, but to lose Daniel as well. Um, but that that would be bad enough. But could you imagine if Daniel said, oh, no, I want to start McLaren. And after, you know, there's been so much talk from Piastri, that just makes it even more awkward. But that, that's what that's what makes probably most of us believe that that move to McLaren is all but certain because you wouldn't be that bold, would you? Well, this all hinges on what Ricardo wants to do. Um, I mean, as I said, you know, Piastri and his team seem quite convinced that they have something lined up if they're not prepared to go to Alpine. I mean, it's not a case where they don't want to go to Alpine. It's a case of they've got something better in plan for him and, and and as I said we've already talked about certain nuances regarding 
why he may feel he doesn't want to join them after having to wait as long as he has done. And obviously the talks with Fernando Alonso would have swayed him into thinking, right, I need to sort out my future because I'm not going to be with this team in the next few years. I can't wait any longer. So that might have been that element to it as well. I'm wondering as well, um, Lee, and I want to get your thoughts on this one as well. Is this potentially also a ploy from McLaren to try and entice Ricardo to perhaps leave earlier than he would have liked? Perhaps there is an agreement on the table, something in principle, where they say to him, look, if you leave, we will pay you this amount of money out of your contract. Similar to what Ferrari did with Kimi Raikkonen when they bought out his contract to move Fernando Alonso in his place a year earlier than expected. So um, what are your thoughts? Is it perhaps a ploy from McLaren to try and drive Ricardo out? It may be a ploy from McLaren. Um, I mean, uh, I'm coming with the full details on it, so I do apologize. But McLaren are in a fun themselves in a similar situation in IndyCar, where they've got three drivers yes. well, for two cars. With um, Alex Palau, apparently. Yes, yeah. so obviously for those not familiar with IndyCar, Chip Ganassi Racing had announced that they were keeping Alex Palau on for another season, only for McLaren to come out literally hours later saying that they'd signed him. So there's a bit of a legal tug, tug of war going on there. Although... I think the legal ramifications for that are a little bit more complicated than what we've got with Piastri, but it is a similar hallmark. In other words, there's a good chance, guys, if you check your spam emails, that McLaren might have offered you a contract to drive from next season. (laughs) All I can say to you is that if you want it, go for it. Just make sure you're not tied to any other work commitments before you do, okay? (laughs) Um, Thank you for uh, filling that in, Adam. Um, But the the aspect with McLaren is they could be trying to force Daniel's hand because they don't have any power in his contract that Zach Brown I think has made it clear in the past that he wants Daniel gone so I wouldn't be surprised that he's trying to force Daniel out but I think it this whole situation and the situation in IndyCar reflects poorly on McLaren and McLaren senior management that they're in two different disciplines they've got themselves tangled up in contract not disputes uh, with IndyCar as a dispute but there, nothing's been announced in Formula 1 but the potential for a dispute I think it shows poorly on uh, McLaren senior management that they've got themselves tangled up in a potential legal battle that if it goes back and forth between Alpine and McLaren, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get very messy and it's not a good show on Alpine or McLaren if that, go, if that happens. Mm. Um, but it's a shame if we lost Daniel because he's the second most popular Formula 1 driver by social media followers in Formula 1 after Sir Lewis Hamilton. So from a sporting perspective, losing someone next significant from the sport would be a shame. Um, I also, I personally enjoy his driving, especially when he drives well. Uh, his personality, the, that smile, the shoey, all what he brings to the sport as Daniel Ricciardo is, so it'd be such a big loss if he walks away. Um, but on the Piastri, obviously I don't think he'll go to Williams as another option. But one rumour I had her, which I'm not sure has much merit to it is with Mark Webber's Red Bull connections. Could they be eyeing up a seat at Alpha Tauri with the long-term view of Sergio Perez retiring in a few years and as a seat at Red Bull? Well, I mean, that would be something that I'm pretty sure if, if it was possible, Red Bull certainly would be looking at that because of course, obviously the news about Yuri Vips and obviously what he did and what he said has obviously burned all bridges for now, at least. Uh, in terms of driving for a Red Bull in the future. And that was a driver that was potentially being lined up to drive for AlphaTauri, possibly as early as next season, maybe the season after that. Obviously, that's not going to happen. 
there's no one else really right now that's sort of outstanding. I know they have some good drivers in there like uh, Liam Lawson, Dennis Hauger, Jean de Rivela, uh, just to name a few, Ayumi Iwasa as well. But no one's really standing out to say, right, I'm ready for this seat, get me in there. So it does seem for all the while. And I'm pretty confident this is going to happen unless something crazy happens with Piastri, for example, as you mentioned, Lee, that Yuki Tsunoda, who still isn't contracted to them for next year, will be with them next season anyway, especially with this Honda news where they're going to be continuing with the team at least until the end of 2025 when obviously the Porsche deal kicks in as well. So yeah. maybe that's an extra incentive. Well, just one thing yeah. on, it, it could be a bit of a merry-go-round if um, Alpine can't get Oscar. You end up having a full French team with Pierre escaping the Red Bull mm. family to go to Alpine. Then you've that's got what a I can say. Seat. Yeah. Yeah. They keep, they keep the Sonoda, they get Oscar and the Red Bull family. And then in a few years, there's a potential new candidate to replace Sergio when he retires or Rebel kick out Sergio because he's not they're not happy with his performance and they get Oscar and Max potentially in Red Bull. So, I mean, it's a very long game term plan, but Oscar's young and Mark Webber has those connections with Red Bull. So, I mean, it's, there is potential to the rumour, but obviously I think the McLaren is more likely. I think, um, I think it's interesting with the Red Bull situation because, you know, we've been talking a lot on this episode about contingency plans. Now, there is going to be a chance at some point in Max Verstappen's career where he will be looking at Mercedes or Ferrari, you know, maybe want a new challenge or if Red Bull head in a certain direction he's not happy with, he could move on. So maybe Red Bull will need a driver in place. And Oscar Piastri is one of the most talked about young drivers up and coming. So let's not rule out Red Bull. I think that's a fantastic point you're making there, Lee. That, that was definitely something I had in my mind, the connections between Mark Webber and the Red Bull team. And Red Bull needing to have a long-term strategy because if you have, you have a look at Mercedes have George Russell, Ferrari currently have Sainz and Leclerc. Other than Verstappen, they don't have a backup plan. So if Verstappen was to choose to leave, if Lewis was to retire and he says, you know, I'm going to go to Mercedes, they don't have that top-class young driver in their team to keep that team going. So that could definitely be employed by Red Bull. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, we certainly can't rule out if Piastri does end up at McLaren um, next season, which would be quite, again, quite a signing for them, that Ricardo couldn't go the other way and go to Alpine. I mean, he was at Renault before when he went to McLaren, uh, the last guy in their team, excluding, uh, well, what they currently have, actually. I was going to say last guy on the podium, excluding Esteban Ocon, of course, uh, winning the Hungarian Grand Prix last season. But um, obviously did a reasonably good job there. You know, there might be room for him to come back there. Maybe he'll take the payment from McLaren and go there. Um, before we do our predictions of where we think, what we think is going to happen, which is always the fun part, especially at the moment, is there any room for a one Nico Hulkenberg that is currently the reserve driver at Aston Martin. Obviously, the seat is not going to him there. But is there any wiggle room? Are we going to see a scenario where Alpine gets so desperate that they have no choice but to bring in Hulkenberg just because he's available? Or what do you think? Surely you've got to have a look at the younger drivers out there. Like I, I don't know. I, I think if I was a part of the Alpine team and I had the, the, know-how, the know-how and the money to make an audacious move to save face. If you're talking about having an all-French team, I don't know the situation with the Sauber Academy, but you should surely be looking at someone like Tao Porcher. If you can't get Pierre Gasly and you want an all-French team, make an audacious move for Tao Porcher because that would be a great long-term project for Alpine. Yeah, not a bad shout either. Um, Lee, 
uh, any room back for the Hulk, for example? I mean, I, and the reason why I ask this is because he obviously did a few races. He stepped in for Seb Vettel at the start of the season. And um, he did a relatively good job. You know, after the first race, he was a bit off the pace, understandably. He'd done hardly any running in the car whatsoever. And um, in, in Jeddah, his pace weren't too bad. You know, he, was, he wasn't too far away from Stroll at any point. I think he beat Stroll at one uh, in Jeddah. I might be wrong, to be honest. Someone probably correct me in the chat. But, um, I mean, he was certainly on pace with Stroll at the very, very least. So he does show he has still got some performance in him. Yeah, um, I would love to see Nico Hulkenberg back in the sport. Um, especially what our romantic um, story would be if he got the seat at Alpine per se and he actually got on the podium and he got rid of that record. Oh, <laughs> yeah. the, the longest run of... Uh, races without a podium um that'd be brilliant but it, there may be a chance but i don't think alpine will get desperate enough to go to the uh nico and if they did it would only be on a one-year drive because they'll look up a, a better option long term um but yeah wait and see but i doubt it unfortunately yeah it'd have to be a stopgap. any sort yeah. of deal would have to be just for a year just to feel something while someone else is being lined up um, that was, and there's going to be plenty of drivers available next uh, for 2024, at least. Anyway, so there's certainly options. But of course, guys, before we move on, let's go to the fun part of this part uh, of this episode. Make our predictions for mm-hmm. McLaren. For some reason, we're talking about McLaren in this and Alpine. What do we? How do we think this is all going to go down? Is Piastri going to be in an Alpine? Is he going to be in McLaren? Or dare I say, because of the how complex this legal scenario is. Will he have no seat at all left? Maybe he might have talked himself out of having an F1 seat. I'm I'm going to say Piastri to McLaren. And uh, what about you, Lee? I'm going to go with my outlandish one that uh, but I think is very unlikely, but why not go for it? Al- Al- Piastri to AlphaTauri. Why not? It might be possible. I mean, it certainly would have ramifications for Sonoda, but... Um, and of course, they might need something fresh in there. Uh, it's a weird one. I, I'm going to go with, I think, Piastri. Yeah, I think he might end up at McLaren. Um, Alpine, I have no idea who's going to end up in that car. I mean, it's literally, if it's not going to be Piastri, um, who probably still is the favourite, technically speaking, but again, it's down to the legal battle, how that all plays out. But because of what's been going on, I wouldn't rule out a Ricardo going back to Alpine temporarily to see how things go you know we'll have to wait and see but uh, I can't think of anyone else who'd be, who Alpine would seriously look at I mean whoever they do sign is going to be out of desperation whether that driver is going to be ready for that seat or not I don't know but it literally will be a desperation signing um, would yeah. Sebastian Vettel come out of retirement <laughs> well for Alpine um, <laughs> no no I, I don't think so but you know, it, I, I just I couldn't see that happening could you no Seb's not that kind of guy <laughs> I, I think it'll be if if Piastri goes to McLaren, I've got a feeling it's going to be Gasly to to I was going to say replace, but he never even drove for uh, for Alpine properly. So I I think the Gasly move, I think that's what would happen if Piastri was to go to McLaren. Well, yeah, true, and him and Ocon have some history in that regard as well. So it could be quite expensive. Whatever it's going to be for Alpine, it's certainly not going to be what they uh, envisioned. This time last week, they were probably getting ready to put the tweets out that Fernando was signing a new deal. But here we are. They had uh, three seats to try and find two out of it. And they may not even have two to fill the seats that they currently have. So let's move on. Get your thoughts and your co- comments uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know what you think. It's certainly an enticing one. And uh, certainly has got plenty of plenty of sagas left to go before we find out what's going to be happening for next season in those two camps. Let's move on 
to Williams. This was the third team that's kind of affected by this in some regard. And obviously, as we talked about earlier in the episode, the plan for them looked like they were going to have Oscar Piastri on loan from Alpine for a season um, before he potentially moved back into that team for 2024 or 2025, depending on how that was going to go with Alonso. It looked like he was going there. That didn't happen. We're pretty certain at the moment that that's probably not going to happen. Um, I mean, you know, because he wouldn't give up Alpine to go to Williams with all due respect to Williams. No. Um, but the good news for Williams is Alex Albon has signed a multiple year contract with the team. And we've got the quote here from him. And this is brilliant banter from yeah. Alex Albon, this announcement. Absolutely yeah, love yeah, this. Yeah. Based on what we said earlier about Piastri, he goes, I understand that with my agreement, Williams Racing have put out a press release this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is correct. And I have signed a contract with Williams for 2023. I will be driving for Williams next year. Let's go at Williams Racing. Now, absolutely love that. Brilliant stuff from Alex Albon. Good move for the driver and the team all round. I think it makes absolute Mm -hmm. sense. And I'm glad that he's got a long-term deal because this is always going to be a risk this year. Was Alex going to be able to come back into F1 and move away from being Sonoda's driver coach to being the real deal? And I think we can all say this year has been a rather successful one for both sides in this this. Yeah, I, th- I think with the um, I think the the one sort of good story that has come from Williams this season has been Alex Albon's form. You know, picking up points. So there have been times where he's picked up points we had no right to. You know, the way that we saw with George Russell. But I think obviously that the biggest question is that obviously at Williams, um, sh- surely they won't stick with the TV for another season. And something I've been thinking about lately with that second seat, there's obviously still quite a strong relationship between Williams and Mercedes. I've got a feeling that Toto Wolff is going to try to encourage Williams to take on one of the Mercedes Formula E drivers. I've got a feeling that one of those lads is going to end up getting another Williams seat. Well, the obvious candidate is Nick DeVries. Um, And this is a driver that we've been hearing rumours. Well, Toto tried to get Nick into the Williams seat last season before eventually it was given to Alex Albon. And obviously, you know, there were certain issues legally there to sort out with that because, of course, Red Bull and Mercedes had to come to some sort of agreement where Alex Albon was sort of going to be detached from the Red Bull program, albeit that was never going to be the case anyway to get him in there. So, you know, that happened. And um, it does seem that an opportunity has opened up for Nick de Vries, who recently, of course, let's not forget the French Grand Prix, did uh, an FP1 session in the Mercedes. Did quite well as well. Yeah, it it was quite decent. He weren't too far off of George Russell, so it was decent pace. So the Formula E world champion certainly has still got the skills, albeit he is now, what, 27? Obviously not old, but it's not a driver going into a team that's expected to learn and grow. This is a guy that needs to hit the ground running, and I'm sure Williams, if they do sign Nick DeVries, would expect that as well. Um, Lee, of course, before we get into some of the other targets, what, what are your thoughts on the Albon uh, move with Williams. Are you? Uh, do you think that's the right decision for both parties to stay together? Yeah, I think it's the right decision with Williams and Albon. Williams found their replacement for George Russell, stepped into that um, vacancy that George left, bringing back the points, bringing back the solid results, beating the teammate. Yeah, it's like George never left in that aspect, as far as Williams is concerned. So they're obviously very happy to keep Alex and Alex having a drive on the grid. Um, getting him in that team leader position, learning away from the 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 sharp end of the grid means that his connections to the Red Bull are, I think, completely gone. That it, it builds up his uh, 
knowledge base for a future potential return to Red Bull. So I think it makes sense for both parties in that aspect. Yeah, I still think of all the Red Bull drivers that are involved in the academy right now, he's the outstanding candidate to go back into the senior team if an opportunity presents itself in the short term. And as you pointed out, Lee, the comparisons to George Russell have been there this season, a guy that had been in that team for a few years, by his own admission, a bit longer than he probably should have been before he got the call up to Mercedes. And at the very least, Albon has been pretty close to being on par with what George achieved at Williams and uh, Albon's not been there very long. So it's certainly a testament to how good Alex Albon is. Of course, this should be no surprise to anyone that's followed Alex Albon's junior career that he was right up there with George Russell for a long time in their junior careers alongside Lando Norris as well. So great to see that Alex has uh, got a longer term deal and it's great to see him stay in Formula One because I certainly think he's earned his place and I'm glad to see that he's going to be in for a little while longer. That leaves the second seat at Williams. Now, as I said already, Oscar Piastri looked like the guy that was going to be in that seat. As we understand now, that's probably not going to be happening. I'm 99% certain now, uh, and this will probably be a clip that's in a few months' time when I'm completely <laughs> wrong, that Piastri is not going to be driving for Williams next year, although he hasn't ruled it out, just ruled out RP um, rather than Williams. So you never know. But that now leaves a vacancy, and Nick DeVries is one driver that we've already talked about that has a potential chance of getting there and there's certainly appeal there um, with his background and his connections as well with Mercedes. Nicholas Latifi, a driver that we'd all kind of come to the opinion that they were going to call it a day on him. This opportunity has now presented itself. Perhaps Williams need a stop gap for another year whilst they sort of filter out potential other candidates that might be interested in the in you know the coming years. There's also another candidate in Logan Sargent from F2. Uh, the yeah. American driver, doing rather well in the F2 championships. Um, I would say in the championship hunt, but Felipe Drogovic looks like he's got that, uh, at least one hand on the F2 trophy at this point in time. Well, there's plenty of time for that to change, but he's doing rather well this year, Logan Sargent. An American driver as well, which next season is going to be incredibly massive to have an American driver if they did that, because of course we're going to Miami, um, the Circuit of Americas, and Vegas so obviously he's going to be the poster boy for those events. A lot of interest there. That might commercially appeal to Williams. What are your thoughts on these candidates, guys? It seems to be one of those three, in my opinion. So where do you think Williams might be leaning for 2023? What about another yeah. candidate of Mick Schumacher? Well, there's an, oh. well this is uh, this <laughs> is interesting because um, obviously his uncle, Ralph, drove for the team. His father... Uh, there was a time when Williams were looking at Michael Schumacher to replace Damon Hill uh, before he signed for Ferrari in 1996. And um, obviously everybody wanted Michael Schumacher when he announced he wasn't going to stay at Benetton. But, um, you know, that was years ago. That's always an outside candidate. Um, and again, it could happen. I think it's more likely that it's going to be a driver that's already on Williams's radar already. I'm not sure if Mick Schumacher, but you never know. But um, what are your thoughts, Courtney? Yeah, the Logan Sargent one's an interesting one because he has been in decent form lately. Um, he's been a little bit of a, a late bloomer this season, but you're right in terms of what he could offer. You know, obviously with the form that he's in, and from a yeah, from a market perspective, that would be absolutely glorious for Williams. Free races, a growing audience from the USA, it would be fantastic from a commercial perspective. So it all depends on the angle that Williams are going. You know, they, they could have the option of playing it safe with um, Nicholas Satifi. And obviously, they want to continue to have a healthy relationship with Mercedes because obviously Mercedes, you help them with parts and stuff like with the engine as well. So, you know, the 
they probably they might want to keep Toto Wolf sweet as well because look, I, I know it shouldn't be this way, but we know that Toto Wolf is one of the biggest voices in the sport at the moment. So they might want to keep Toto Wolf sweet by taking on Nick DeVries. So it's all dependent on how Williams identify, you know, where they stand in F1 and where they want to be in the future. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to having that security and obviously where they want to be going forward. And for what it's worth, I think they can take a chance on this. Um, I don't know if Logan Sargent is ready, but, you know, Williams might want to wait on this. They might want to wait and see how he gets on in F2. I mean, not necessarily if he wins it, but if he has a very strong second half of that season um, and he proves that he's worth a shot, it might not be a bad idea given that we're going to go to a few American races and the commercial opportunities that will come from having an American driver on the grid will certainly be endless for them. That's certainly something they have to consider. Latifi is a known entity. Um, they know what they're going to get with him. It's not necessarily fantastic for them, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's a solid driver that they could have for another year. There might be a bit of financial backing that comes with that for another year under more amiable terms for them. And, you know, there's certainly that option there, you know, about just having what they hold really in that regard. Nick DeVries, of course, another driver that might present commercial opportunities and strengthen that technical partnership with Mercedes, which of course is completely invaluable to a team that really does need to try and find progress up the grid. Of course, they have been making slow progress in that regard. And then of course, there might be some outside options like Mick Schumacher or Nico Hulkenberg, maybe, or, yeah. or for the benefit of my brother that follows this podcast, Pastor Aldonado. Oh, oh, really yeah. crazy. <laughs> Bring back the goat. Um... <laughs> Replace a goat with another goat. There you go. Exactly, exactly. But uh, Lee, uh, I mean, obviously, I know you mentioned Mick Schumacher, yep. but um, if you were Jos Capito, who would be your number one choice? Well, I'm going to explain my thinking to the, with Mick Schumacher. So from my understanding, Ferrari aren't um, looking at re renewing Mick's contract for the Ferrari Driver Academy. Mercedes are very keen about getting a German driver in the team. So potentially, just as a discussion, Mick maybe put, enrolled in for Mercedes as a young driver, which is then, as Courtney's already suggested, Toto Mercedes. All of a sudden, they get a young driver for the Mercedes program with Mick Schumacher because um, Haas aren't too keen on his performances, although they have improved. So that is an option if that all, all those scenarios come to effect that you get a Mick Schumacher driving for Mercedes contract in Williams. I mean, that could happen. Um, and you know, just going on to the Logan aspects, I know Gene Haas is quite keen on getting a... Oh, I hear, not say I know, because um, I don't actually know what he's thinking. Um, he's quite keen on getting an American driver in the American team for the three American Grand Prix next year. So as you both said about the marketing potential, Gene's an intelligent businessman and he knows how strong it will be to get an American driver in his car for next year from the financials. So um, I wouldn't have all um, that out for Haas. I know we're talking about Williams, but just because of the complex moves that I just said, I just thought I mentioned that. You've that. been dropping a few bombs in this episode, Lee, I must say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, like, I like the way that you yeah, think, exactly. Lee. Um, I mean, on the Mick Schumacher front, I like the way that you think because that does, you know, it does have an element mm. of sense to that. There was obviously some logic there. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised if certain dominoes fell in that direction after everything that's been going on. Perhaps it was something that they thought probably wasn't likely to happen and the opportunity has now presented himself because of the absolute cluster, I'm not going to swear on this, that has been caused by the Seb Vettel and Fernando Alonso and Piastri news But as a result. So certainly a lot going on there. I mean, personally, I'd be absolutely gutted 
if Mick Schumacher ended up becoming a driver that was good enough to win races and compete for world championships. And because Ferrari just didn't believe that from what they've seen in the first couple of years of him, although to be fair, you couldn't blame him for having that thought right now. Um, not that they're the experts in long-term planning anyway, but it would be gutting for them to see a driver that they've put so much time and investment through heritage and legacy and everything else. And he's driving for a rival team and doing the business there rather than at Ferrari, which is obviously the wet dream of every Ferrari fan, I suppose, over the last 20, 30 years. So take that for what it what it's worth. Anyway, no wonder I'm a Schumacher fanboy. I digress. But I do like what the way that you're thinking, Lee, on that one. 100%. All right. Let's hear from Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be completely wrong and yeah, wider than mine. likely. <laughs> it's, this is why it's fun doing these uh, silly season episodes, because we can think about these things. And uh, you never know that, you know, there might be something to it. You know, that's, I guess it's how these... You have to kind of think on your feet like that. You have to make these contingency plans. Or if this happens, or if this happens, or this happens, you get that meme with that guy from that TV show who's plotting everything and it comes up with some sort of crazy conspiracy theory and you just go, that's the Illuminati, and there you go. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, let's, um, let's round this all up. Let's talk about uh, some other seats. Obviously, AlphaTauri, I know you already mentioned, Lee, that Piastri might be a good fit there. It does seem likely that Sonoda is going to be extended for another season. Courtney, what are your thoughts? Do you think there's anything's going to change with that? No, I think Sonoda will stay. I think the, the, the question marks will be surrounding Pierre Gasly. Mm. Um, and what about Alfa Romeo? Because technically they have a seat available there alongside Valtteri Bottas. Now, it's likely at the moment that Zhou Guan Yu is going to get that seat going forward. And of course, that will be incentivized by F1 and endorsed as well by other characters that want to get a Chinese Grand Prix, get two Chinese Grand Prix on the calendar going forward. And of course, whilst there are no immediate plans for that to happen in 2023, they obviously want to try and keep Zhou Guan Yu and F1 long enough to try and realise the potential of that and try and capitalise on that as well. Mm. So what do you think on that one? Is he going to be there next season? Yeah, I, I don't think it's just the you know the Chinese market. I I was very critical of them um, of As of Aston Martin of Alfa Romeo signing Joe in the first place just for commercial reasons, but he's actually exceeded expectations for a lot of us. So I, I don't think he particularly set the world alight in his time at F two, but during his first half of the season with um, Alfa Romeo and F one, he's done a great job for them. So I think it'd be silly for them to get rid of Joe at this stage. Yeah, I think so too. And I think Joe's drove, driven rather well, to be fair. Yeah. I think considering what he's been up against and the package he's had, I think he's done a relatively good job. I yeah. think he's done a better job than what uh, Mick Schumacher, for example, what Haas. You know, I think if you talk about, if you rank the drivers in order of how they've performed or where you think they stand right now, to many people's surprise from the start of the season when they would have done this, I think Joe's been is better than Mick at the moment. Um, and it's up to Mick to prove that he needs to be doing more than that. So I think definitely should be putting more stock in Joe uh, and Joe Guan Yu or yeah and see where he goes with that um Lee is, is there any room for anyone else at Alfa Romeo I mean we know we talked about Teo poor chair but perhaps he's not quite ready for that jump to Formula One yet he's certainly a protege and a driver they want to get in there but uh perhaps not quite at this point in time uh, I think it's very slam dunk with Joe I mean he's the rookie of the year um so it makes sense to keep him. He's delivered the performances, as you both mentioned, um, a lot better than I thought it would. And between Bottas and him, they've actually, I think, got a stronger driver pairing than they had in the previous years. So it'd be mm -hmm. silly to change it up when the performance is being delivered. I don't think it's worth risking another driver pairing. 
No, absolutely not. And I think it's a good dynamic that seems to work. Um, you know, we don't see too many clips of uh, Joe and Bottas or Guan Yu, Joe, uh, yeah, and Bottas sort of how do I, how would I put this sort of being chummy with each other? But they just get on with it. They don't really have exactly. any friction, and it's a very easy relationship to maintain at the moment. So I don't see any reason why Alpha would want to change that in the short term. So that leads us with Haas, the only team left that at this point in time that we're aware of that has a seat. I mean, who knows what could happen elsewhere, but. Obviously, Kevin Magnussen is staying with the team. He signed a medium-term deal with them at the start of last season when he was drafted in the very uh, last minute and uh, has done a good job so far. Mick Schumacher, of course, I still expect him to still be there. I don't see any reason why Huss would move him on. I know performance was an issue earlier in the season. The last few weeks, he's certainly upped his game. And, of course, that's no by no means we should be overlooking the earlier parts of the season for what's happened very recently, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent in that regard. And obviously we'll have to need more time before we can have a fair judgment of where Mick is right now. But as I said, I think he's done well enough to at least buy him some more time. And I think Haas, if they're prepared to invest in that, may benefit from that rather than just letting him go. And of course, as you mentioned, Lee, there are probably other teams that might take a chance on Mick. So is there really anyone else that could jump into that Haas seat right now to replace Mick? Or do you feel that it could depend, or Huss's second seat could depend on what Mix decides to do going forward. No, I think again, I, I like I like Lee's, um, you know, idea about Logan Sargent. That is a good one, but I do feel that Huss are going to stick with Mick. I mean, if they went really bold, Huss, do you think they might look at um, IndyCar? And look for a few because there's a Possibly. few drive. Well, there's a few yeah. drivers there. I mean, obviously not so much Alex Palau. That's a bit complicated there. But someone like Colton Herter, for example. I know this is a driver that uh, Andretti, uh, Mario Andretti, with his racing team, was looking to try and bring into Formula One with the Andretti team. Obviously, that's not happening in, at least in the short term. But is he an American driver that, even though he's uh, contracted to McLaren, would has to be t- tempted to try and see if they could bring him in? certainly a possibility um it all depends on the domino effect I, I i do feel they'd probably want to stick with their driver lineup but if there was a, to be a, another bombshell if if one of these bombshells were to drop then they'd have to react accordingly yeah it's a bit nuts all this is why we love silly season guy literally uh, guys literally anything could happen and as soon as one thing happens everything just sparks off and we've had a bit of a catalyst already this piastri uh, McLaren, Alpine, Ricardo, of course, involved in this as well. All that news is going on. There's some other things that could happen at this point, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, plenty to be talking about and uh, plenty for you guys as well to weigh in on the comment section. You guys have been brilliant of late, and I want you guys to keep that interaction going because there's some great stuff coming back and forth with us. And, of course, amongst yourselves as a community as well, we want to keep that momentum going. And, of course, I think we can wrap this up for, for now. If there are any developments or any new stories or any driver transfers, of course, we will be talking about those in future episodes. But guys, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a like on the video if you're watching on YouTube and consider subscribing to the channel. If you're following us on your favorite podcasting platform, of course, you know what to do there. You can give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy of that. We'd really be grateful for you to do that for us. But I think all that's left to say is please stay safe. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. So until next time, remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1.
Social Podcast Network.